Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and it's official. Hollywood has shut down with the SAG union now on strike joining the writers. We have that to discuss in detail as well as the box office of course where Sound of Freedom is making waves domestically. Let's start with the domestic box office. Opening in first place from Sony is Insidious to Red Door with 32.6 million. In second place is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny with 26.5 million for a total now of 121.2 million. In third place was Sound of Freedom with 16.9 million for a total of 38.9 million. Fourth place was Elemental with another 9.6 million for a total now of 109.1 million dollars. Fifth place was Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with 8 million for a total of 357.6 million. And opening in sixth place from Lionsgate was Joyride with 5.8 million dollars. Sony is having a great summer so far and Insidious keeps it going. While it's not being reviewed well by critics, it's a horror movie and we know how that usually plays at the box office. Usually well, and this is no exception. This was the second biggest opening weekend for the franchise, now spanning five films, right behind Insidious 2. Obviously, that's not accounting for inflation. This is a franchise that is over 10 years old, so inflation, you know, if you want to adjust for it, would change, change a few things around. But uninflated, second best opening for the franchise, five movies in, that's pretty solid. I think something that helped here is getting the original cast back from the first two films, uh, which clearly got people interested. As for Sound of Freedom, it making just under $40 million now in less than a week is impressive. Let's see if it can keep it up. A small win for Disney is that Elemental has passed $100 million domestic, which comes in part thanks to another amazing hold for the film. It only dropped 21% compared to last weekend. As for The Flash, well, it is already out of the top 10. Opening in first place in China is the martial arts film Never Say Never with $57.1 million. For a total now of 128.9 million. This one is from last weekend that had the one day of previews, which is enough to hit second place on the top five last weekend. In second place this weekend was Lost in the Stars with 47.2 million for a total of 457.1 million. Third place was a new animated film called Chang An, which opened 26.5 million, and thanks to previews, is now at 29.7 million. Opening in fourth place was The White Storm, Heaven or Hell, with 19.2 million. Now it did open on Thursday, so including that, it is now at $26.2 million. This is the uh, third film in an action thriller series. Another animated film opened this weekend called Super Wings Jet Run, with $5.1 million. So a lot of Chinese movies opened this weekend, which is great to see. And comparing the Chinese box office now to a few months ago, it is night and day. A lot better as Artisan Gateway has compared to box office total this weekend compared to last year. And this year is 61% ahead compared to this weekend. And then if we count this weekend back from 2019, the exact, the exact same weekend, it's only 11% behind. So it's almost, at least on a weekend level, almost back to 2019 levels, which is fantastic. Now let's take a look at the worldwide numbers. Insidious to Red Door also opened well internationally with 31.4 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $64 million. 
Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny earned another $31.8 million for a worldwide total of $248 million. Not good at all. Like, not, not really. This, ideally, this should have been a film, especially with its budget. Should have, Disney was probably hoping to make $700-$800 million. It'll pass $300 million. $400 questionable. And also, again, not good news. Same for The Flash, which only earned $5 million for a worldwide total of $261.6 million. Elemental is still doing great, however, with it making another $30 million for a worldwide total of $252 million. As for Korea, it continues to kill it there, increasing 14% from last weekend, and even Australia is interested with it up 21% from the previous weekend. Strong positive word of mouth is doing wonders for the film, and to just rattle off the rest of the summer blockbusters. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is at $642.2 million. Transformers Rise of the Beasts is at $408 million. The Little Mermaid is at $542.1 million. And Fast X is now at $703 million worldwide. Now let's get to Hollywood where they have shut down. Over the past week, the SAG Union and Studios could not come to an agreement on a new deal, so now they are striking, and the effects are already immediate. To keep this in order, let's go over some of the events chronologically. So right before the deadline ended, the studios, or the AMPTP, wanted to use some federal mediators to try and work out a deal. The SAG Union did agree to it, but since the mediators only had about a day to work, nothing was likely to be achieved, and it wasn't with the strike now in effect. So, with the actors on strike, what does that mean? Well, it means that the actors are not able to act in productions for films and TV shows. They are not allowed to help with the post-production of content. So if they are needed for some ADR work on a TV show or movie, well, too bad. That, that's enough. And the other big thing that will be felt more immediate for studios is they cannot promote any work that they are part of that is already made by one of the AMP TP members. This means for the summer movie season, press tours and the red carpet premieres are over for the actors. Now they'll still have them for the press, director, any producers, but that's it. And this was noticeably seen immediately at the London premiere of Oppenheimer, where the cast did not stick around for the screening of the film after walking the red carpet, because during that time, it was announced the strike was going to be moving forward. After the film was over, Christopher Nolan did talk to the crowd explaining the situation. Quote, I have to acknowledge the work of our incredible cast, led by Killian Murphy. Uh, the list is enormous. Robert Downey Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, Florence Pugh, Kenneth Rod, Rami Malek, and so many more. You've seen them here earlier on the red carpet. Unfortunately, they're off to write their picket signs for what we believe to be an immediate strike by SAG, joining one of my guilds, the Writers Guild, in the struggle for fair wages for working members of their union. End quote. As for the last time the actors were on strike, it's been a while with the last one being back in 1980. So what happened here? Well, we have a lot of info coming out now because, as we mentioned earlier a few weeks ago, the negotiations between the two were under a media blackout for the month. So nothing was said on either side. Now that's over. Uh, and it turns out the issues are somewhat similar to the ones the writers have, being they want more money for streaming successes and protection on AI. For streaming, the union is pushing for them to get 2% of a production's revenue on streaming, on top of pay and residuals. The idea being similar to like uh, getting a cut of the box office revenue that big actors get. From the studio side, that is a non-starter. 
probably because they'd have to open the books about what shows are actually successful and which ones cost them money. As for AI, the actors are actually okay with it being used for their likeness, but they want to be involved in it. As in, if a studio wants to, say, use an AI version of Dwayne Johnson to promote a movie, he should be able to approve it, what the AI version of him says, and to be paid for his likeness. So far, the studios have not agreed to that. Of course, there are other issues that need to be worked out as well, but those are the main two. Now, let's talk about Bob Iger, who he had himself quite a week. First, it was announced his contract was being extended to 2026, so he will get a two-year extension for fixing up Disney and finding a successor. As for his salary, he can earn up to $27 million a year based on salary and bonuses. Now, that by itself would be noticeable enough news. But then Iger did a rare misstep and did an interview with CNBC. Now, the interview, he's had interviews on CNBC before. That's not the misstep. The misstep is everything else. He did it from Sun Valley, Idaho, where the yearly get-together of media heads, tech leaders, and billionaires hang out. Uh, you know, people joke about it being like a billionaire's summer camp. So already not a good location when the actor strike is about to start. He started off the interview strong, acknowledging the issues Marvel has had with the push for producing multiple shows for Disney+, Plus, while keeping up producing movies, which, as he says, diluted focus and attention. Okay, good. You need to cut back a bit. The content isn't as, isn't as good. Great. Now, I do hope he means it and, you know, cut back production a bit on the shows and the movies, improve the quality of the Marvel content. And that's all great. Where the interview went off track was his comments about the strike. Quote, it's very disturbing to me. We've talked about disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing. The recovery from COVID, which is ongoing, it's not completely back. This is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption. I understand any labor organization's desire to work on behalf of its members to get the most compensation and to be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same thing with the writers, and we'd like to do the same thing with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they are adding to the set of the challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. End quote. So yeah, that was quite possibly the worst thing to say to writers and actors as you have billionaires hanging out in the background and he just signed a multi-million dollar extension. Now look, he isn't wrong in how this is the worst possible time for the strikes to happen, as Hollywood still recovers a bit from COVID, but it's the people who are striking now that have suffered the most during that time, and it's a bit naive to think that they would just accept any deal that they could get. Yes, everyone just a few years ago, I think back in 2020, didn't put up a fight, and just quickly hashed out a deal, but that was when COVID was kicking off, you didn't know what was going to happen to Hollywood. You didn't know what was going to happen to movies, streaming. You just wanted to get by. Right? So the issues of, like, streaming pay, which has been bubbling now for a few years, they just kicked the can down the road to now. And for as much as Iger has built up a great image with Disney, Hollywood, and the general public, this has hurt him quite a bit. Now, yes, some will forget over time and all that. But right now, it is not a good look. And for a man who has built, again, built up quite a good image, Really weird to see a misstep of this scale. Now, with the strike on, there are some productions that can still move forward. A production can move forward with shooting, releasing, and promoting if they can get a waiver or interim agreement from the SAG union. To qualify for this, the production must not be from one of the AMPTP members, and they would be bound to honor whatever contract is agreed upon between SAG and AMPTP. We will see who gets approved or not. 
Another side effect of the SAG strike is the upcoming film festivals will be a lot quieter. But the Toronto International Film Festival has already said that, for now, they are moving ahead with planning the event. That film festival takes place from September 7th to the 17th. Netflix is setting the North American premiere of May-December at the New York Film Festival on September 29th. This is the film that they bought the North American rights for back at Cannes, starring Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore and directed by Todd Haynes. It will be released in theaters November 17th and then on Netflix on December 1st. Taking a look at other news as part of Cineworld's restructuring, a new parent company will be formed that will own Cineworld and Regal going forward. They've also announced that Eduardo Acuna will become the CEO of the new company. He is currently an executive at the Cinepol's theater chain. Now, before the actors went on strike, there were some acting deals done. Deadline is exclusively reporting that Cameron Monahan has joined Tron Ares. You would know him from Shameless or from the Jedi Survivor games. At least from those games, I can tell he's a good actor, and I'm glad he's getting other roles. And another exclusive from Deadline, Javier Bardem has signed on to the Formula One film starring Brad Pitt and Dame Sinatris. The biggest casting news came from DC, where they have already added a few more actors to its cast, with a few superheroes joining the film now. Nathan Fillion has signed on to play Guy Gardner, one of the few to be Green Lantern. Isabella Merced will play Hawkgirl. Idai Catherig will play Mr. Terrific. And Anthony Carrigan will play Metamorpho. Overall, some great castings, and I'm looking forward to Carrigan in a big movie. He was great as Noho Hank in Barry. And it does seem like Gunn is hitting the ground running with having these superheroes make an appearance in the movie, which I think is a smart move. We did get another new movie in development during the turbulent week with Deadline exclusively reporting on a new one over at Lionsgate called The Killer's Game. It'll star Dave Bautista and Ice Cube and directed by J.J. Perry. Now, Deadline reports that the film was supposed to start production later this summer over in Budapest, but with the actors' strike now on, I would think that it gets pushed back. Both actors, I would assume, are SAG members, so they wouldn't be able to film. Ryan Reynolds released an official photo of Deadpool and Wolverine on the set of Deadpool 3 after some leaks started to appear online. This marks the first time we've seen Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in the iconic yellow outfit, and I gotta say, in live action, doesn't look too bad. So with the strike, uh, immediately, like days after they filmed, uh, released a photo, uh, you know, production is on pause. So um, there's a good chance right now the film might not make its scheduled release of next May. We got some IMAX news as well this week with the company announcing that they will be buying back full control of IMAX China. IMAX China is a subsidiary of IMAX and has been on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange since 2015. They now plan to buy back the 96.3 million shares which they estimate will cost the company $124 million. Steven Spielberg's production company, Amblin Pictures, has signed a new multi-year deal with Universal Pictures. This allows Universal to still have first look on everything Amblin is producing. Sadly, it's also being reported that they will also be job cuts down the road at Amblin, with Deadline reporting around 20% of the company will be let go. Who knows? Maybe they'll change their mind and not do the job cuts. Hopefully they don't, but we'll see. We did get some new trailers this week from Warner Brothers. We got two, the first being a new trailer for Blue Beetle, which still looks okay. I mean, look, after House Shazam and the Flash did at the box office, I don't have much hope for this one. I hope it does well, but I doubt it. And the studio also released the first trailer for Wonka, starring Timothy Chalamet, and it looks better than expected. Like, I wasn't sure how it was going to look like, but right now it does seem like a promising family movie for the holidays. 
And Apple and Sony have released the first trailer for Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott and stars Joaquin Phoenix. So far, the film does look impressive, as do most Ridley Scott films do. And I look forward to seeing it. It comes out in theaters November 22nd. We start off VOD Premium with Netflix, where they have been forced to remove a Chinese drama series called Flight to You in Vietnam. This is because the show repeatedly shows a map with the 9-line. This isn't surprising, since they are willing to ban Barbie over it, and it is a red line for them, and having content being approved for release in their country. Right now, it is only removed from Netflix in Vietnam, and is still available on Netflix in other countries where they have the distribution rights. Netflix is expanding their profile transfer feature to now include being able to transfer a profile from one account to another existing account. Previously, the feature was to allow users to move their profile, which includes their watch list and viewing history, to a new account, ahead of them cracking down on sharing accounts. Now that users can add additional people to their account if they are not in the same household for a few extra dollars per month, this allows people to group up for one plan if they want to. On the Netflix Top 10 for the week, Season 3 of The Witcher stayed in first place, with another 13.8 million views, while the second season of The Lincoln Lawyer debuted in second place with 7.4 million views. For movies, a new Netflix film debuted in first place called The Outlaws with 19.6 million views, and Extraction 2 came in second place with 8.9 million views. We have another 20th Century Studio movie headed to streaming with Quiz Lady, starring Aquafina and Sandra Oh. The comedy will premiere on streaming November 3rd and is the usual rollout for a 20th century film, with it being on Hulu in the United States, on Disney Plus in most of the world, and on Star Plus in Latin America. The film also stars Will Ferrell and Jason Schwartzman. Disney released a new trailer for Ahsoka this week, teasing the main villain Grand Admiral Thrawn. The show is set to premiere on August 23rd. I really hope it's good, personally. I found the latest season of Mandalorian to be very meh, very meh. Over at HBO, two of their shows will continue filming, even though the SAG are now on strike. And that is House of the Dragon, an industry. As for why, well, they are both filming in the UK, but are also the productions are using equity contracts with its cast, which are largely British. Also, the equity union is not on strike. And it is also being reported SAG members who are part of the cast for these productions and under an inequity contract for said production should continue to work as required. So, Warner Brothers Discovery and HBO get a little bit of a reprieve from the strikes thanks to this. And let's wrap up with a quick look at the Emmy nominations. Let's go by platform first, where HBO got the most nominations with 127. That was in large part thanks to Succession, which got 27 noms, with The Last of Us earning 24, and the second season of White Lotus getting 23. Netflix was right behind them this year with 103 nominations, and these got more spread out. Beef and Dahmer got the most with 13 each, and Wednesday also got 12 nominations as well. Apple TV Plus got 54 nominations, with Ted Lasso leading the way with 21 of them. And the documentary Still, a Michael J. Fox movie, earned 7. Disney Plus got 40 nominations, with one of them being for Obi-Wan Kenobi. The show got 5, with one being a nomination for Outstanding Limited or Anthology Series, which is questionable, at least in my, my opinion. <laughs> anyway, also the Roku channel got some blood, with 12 nominations, up from 3 from last year. The Emmys are set for September, but if the strikes continue until then, expect it to be pushed back. Um, again, with Strike On, they can't go up and accept the reward awards for the shows that, again, that the AMPTP you know, studios made. And as if for this episode of Box Office Receipts, 
Thank you for listening, and if you want to follow me on Twitter or Facebook, links to those pages are in the show notes. See you next time.